Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Well, hey, let me give you a few things coming up. And uh, I want to encourage you today. I've got a lot of things to share with you. If you've got something to take notes with, would you get that out right now? Uh, There are some weeks where I just, you know, I want to inspire your heart. And there's some weeks I want to challenge your mind. I want to give you some things that you'll go home with and you'll wrestle with. You'll, you'll get these notes out. In fact, here, here's what I'm learning. And, and I just want to throw this out there as some advice for each of you. Because as your pastor, I want to help you grow. Does anyone want to grow in their walk with God? Who wants to just stay where they are? Nobody, of course. Um, everybody wants to grow. Let me give you some advice that I think could really help you. If every week you just made up your mind, you know what? I'm going to take some notes. And then if just one time out of the month, I mean, seriously, one time out of the month, you went back through those notes and you looked at them and you said, Holy Spirit, show me one thing I can do. Like the pastor gave me 50, you know, notes each week. Just show me one thing I can do. And then if you'll do it, here's what I can promise you. You may not go from zero to 60. You may not go from zero to 100. But what if this month you can go from, you know, a a 50 to a 51? Think about it, uh, you know, the thermostat in your house. Sometimes just bumping it up one degree makes all the difference. Sometimes you're at 67, you bump it up to 68, you're like, ugh, it got a little too hot. One degree can make all the difference in your life. So you may think, I only have to do one thing. Yeah, I would encourage you, just try something. And so I hope messages just don't go in one ear and out the, uh, the other ear. The Bible says this, anyone that hears the words of mine, and puts them into practice is like a wise man that builds his house on a firm foundation. Those that don't hear the, or hear the words of mine and don't put them into practice, they're like a foolish man that builds their house on sand. And when the storms come, when the rains come, come you're going to get blown over. You're going to get pushed over. And so I just want to encourage you to take some notes. Uh, Note takers love God more. So there you go. If all that didn't help you. Um, Christmas is coming up, everybody, December 18th, 9 and 11 a.m., and this year we wanted to do something unique, and we know everybody likes to go out of town uh, on on Christmas and the holidays, especially with Christmas being on a weekend this year, on a Saturday night. We just felt like a Christmas Eve service might be a push for everyone, and then this is a portable space, so we also, you know, need to use it when it's available and all that good stuff, and so this year we are doing our Christmas Eve services uh, on the 18th, and so the same Christmas experience you would get if you came on the 24th, typically we're we're just going to do it the Sunday before at 9 and 11 a.m., and so it's going to be a great time. And then on Christmas Day, there will be no services because everybody needs to be with family and enjoying that time together and just taking a Sabbath and resting. And then night of worship is the next week, January 1st, and so instead of having a 10 a.m. service, we will have service at 6 p.m., And so I hope you're taking notes because there's a lot of time changes in the next few weeks. Christmas Day, uh, or the 18th, I'm sorry, Christmas services, 9 and 11, no 10. If you come uh, at 10, you're right in between a service, and so that's fine. You'll you'll just get there for the preaching. Um, And then the next week, no church. And then the next week on the 1st, you get to sleep in after staying up all night, celebrating, dropping the ball, you know, all the stuff that you guys do, fireworks, and then 6 p.m., night of worship, and then right after that, because we know all you guys have been eating a lot of junk food and fattening up for the winter, we're going to pray and fast together. 
And so 21 days of prayer and fasting. And here, here on a serious note, this has nothing to do with your weight. Uh, it has everything to do with your heart posture as you head into 2023. You know, as I head into 2023, I want to do my very best to just put God first. I want to say, God, I give you the first of my year. And so that's one of the reasons why we pray and fast is just to draw closer to God. You know, as you're traveling uh, over the next few weeks, sometimes your rhythms kind of break up a little bit. And, you know, maybe that morning devotion time that you're used to having, it's not quite, you know, there during the holidays. And so January is just a good time to refocus. You're doing that in all areas of your life, right? You're refocusing in your money. You're refocusing in your health. You're refocusing, you know, with whatever goals you have. You're refocusing in your job, you might as well refocus on your relationship with God. And so in January, we pray and fast, and I'll be talking about that more. Uh, the word fasting may scare you. It doesn't need to scare you. I'll explain it to you, explain it uh, to you in, in a biblical sense, but it's just going to be a great season. As I look over the dates in the next few weeks to come, here's, here's the only thing I can think. I can't help but to think of Psalms 65, where it says, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. That's what I'm believing as we close out the year as a church, as we close out the year in your life, that he would just crown this year with a bountiful harvest in your life, that even the hard pathways would overflow with abundance. Anybody have some hard things going on in your life? In Jesus' name, may they overflow with abundance. May he crown 2022 as we close out the year. May you not have to wait for 2023 for something good, but may he crown the end of the year with abundance. May your life overflow with it. That's my prayer for you. That's our prayer for the church as we head into the coming weeks that we would just look back. We'd have a heart full of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. And God, would you give us a bountiful harvest? May you crown each one of our members of our church with a bountiful harvest. And may every hard thing in their life, may it just overflow with abundance. And I do want to specifically, uh, and today's just a lot of vision, and so if you're like, is he getting to the message? This whole thing's going to be the message. And so I do want to specifically talk about Christmas, though, and, and a little bit about the opportunity that you have as you just head into the month of December. And if you've been around LifePoint very long, you've heard me talk about this. But I think as you head into the month of December, um, I, want to, I want to encourage you to do three things, and it's this. I want to encourage you to keep your head up, your eyes open, and your heart engaged. You know, the month of December is a great time to just show the love of Jesus. I mean, there are baby Jesuses in people's yards. Somebody yesterday, uh, Remy, she Instagrammed uh, a picture of uh, Mary and baby Jesus hanging on somebody's fence. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. I mean, everybody's thinking about Jesus this time of year. And so we went from skulls to baby Jesuses in yards. I mean, my neighbors are the most schizophrenic people in the world. But, you know, I mean, think about it, seriously. Uh, this is just a time of year where people are focused in on the birth of our Savior. And I just want to remind you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as, as just somebody that wants to be a good person, to keep your head up during the holidays. Keep your eyes open and keep your heart engaged. What do I mean by that? Well, it's so easy to, you know, in the hustle and bustle to head to the mall and, you know, just be focused in on your mission, just be focused in on getting that parking spot, just be focused in on getting that gift for a family member. And what would it look like if we just kind of kept our head up and our eyes open? What would it look like when you go over to the St. Matthew's Mall this Christmas and instead of just, you know, rushing into that spot that you saw the single mom in the car that was about to pull in and it looked like she was having a bad day because she had 25 kids in the back of that minivan and you thought, you know what, because my head is up. 
and my eyes are open and my heart is engaged on this season, I'm gonna show some love to her. You know what, you can have this spot. I can wait three more minutes for the next spot. What would it look like in the grocery store if your head was up and your eyes were open, your heart was engaged enough that you saw somebody down on their luck? You saw somebody that was struggling to afford their groceries and you were able to say, here's something a little extra to show God loves you. Maybe it's paying for somebody at Starbucks this holiday season. Maybe it's giving a waitress just a honking tip. You know what I mean? Like, like a really good tip because you can just see that she's struggling. Maybe it's focusing in on a family member that doesn't know Jesus, that's close to you but far from God, that you would focus in on them. And so may you keep your head up this holiday season. May your eyes be open to the needs around us. May you keep your head out of your phone all the time. May you keep your head up, your eyes open. May you just see people in front of you. That may be the most spiritual thing that I can encourage you with this holiday season is be light. Christmas is such a beautiful reminder that light has come, that Jesus was the light of the world and that he has come. And now as believers, now as followers of Christ, we are that bright light to a lost and a dying world. And so may you keep your head up. May you keep your eyes open. There are always opportunities. You know, the Bible says this. It says that Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. In other words, there are opportunities all around us. There are people all around us that are far from God, but the workers are few. The people that keep their head up and their eyes open and their heart engaged, they sometimes can be few. And so I'm praying. It says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to the harvest field. You know my prayer for our church this season? God, would you send our church out and may they be light to a dark world. May you send our church out into every mall. May you send them out into every shopping center. May you send them out to every work Christmas party and may they be light to those that are hurting. In a season where people are anxious, in a season where people are depressed, may they be light. Somebody thought that was good. I don't know who that was, but thank you. Amen, young lady. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but there are people that are all around us that are hurting. There is waitresses that you will interact with. There are coworkers that you will see. There are bosses that are struggling to wind down the year. There are cousins, there's aunts, there's uncles, there's strangers that you will meet, that you will come into contact with, that if your head is not up, if your eyes are not open, if your heart is not engaged, you cannot fulfill what Christ wants you to fulfill. And that's to be, to just be Jesus to them. See, people often, they're living lives empty, unfulfilled. They're living with unmet needs. Some of you, you walked in the room today, you've kind of been far from God. You feel empty. It's why you came today. You feel unfulfilled, like there's got to be more to life. The number one best-selling book of all time is The Purpose Driven Life. And it asks the question, why on earth am I here? Did you know that people all around us are asking, why am I here? What's my purpose? They can make a lot of money, things can be going well, and they still feel empty on the inside. Or maybe there's just some needs, some hopes, some dreams that have died. And you know what I believe? I believe that God's goal for humanity is life. 
That God's ultimate goal for you and I is to experience life. What am I talking about when I say that? I don't just mean that you would, you know, be alive. I don't just mean breath in your lungs. I mean life. That there would be a vibrancy in you. That there would be pep in your step. That there would be joy in your heart. God didn't save you for you to be miserable. God didn't save you for you to walk through life and just feel like, woe is me. No, he saved you to be light. And the brightest people I know are the most joyful people I know. The brightest people I know are the most vibrant people that I know. See, 1 John 5, 11 says this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. And whoever has his son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And so God sent us life by sending us his son who is life. And if we have his son, we have life. There is a common theme in here. And it's that God's goal for humanity is life. This word life in the Greek is the Greek word zoe. It is the state of one who is possessed with vitality, possessed with vitality or to be fully alive. Man, I want you to be possessed with vitality. I want there to be something in your life because of your walk with God and because of your closeness to him that there is just a vibrancy in you, that there is a twinkle in your eye, that there is joy in your heart, that there is life on you. See, the enemy, though, his number one job is to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy wants nothing more than you to live your life head down, eyes closed, heart disengaged. He wants nothing more than for you to live anxious and depressed and all these things that we talk about all the time. But that is not why Jesus came. He did not come for you to live an anxious, depressed, worry-filled life. Does that mean that life is going to be easy? Does that mean there'll never be an issue or a problem? No. You can have a life with problems and still have life. You can walk through hell and still have vibrancy. You can walk through situations and still have a smile on your face. See, the enemy wants to destroy you to steal your dreams, to kill your hopes, to destroy you. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. See, he came that you may have salvation, yes, but also he's come that you may have life to the full. See, God never intended you to live an unfulfilled life. He always intended you to live a life that is fully alive. That is fully alive. There's a typo here. And I'm not even a good speller. God never intended you to live a life that is unfulfilled, but to live a life that is fully alive. You know, the mission of our church, and if you're new, uh, let me just kind of tell you who we are. Um, if I were, you know, coming to a church, the first question I'd probably have the church is, you know, what's, what's your church's vision? What is the mission of your church? And let me just put it as plainly as I can. The mission of our church is that we exist to lead people far from God into a full life with Christ. Our theme verse really is John 10 and 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life. If there's any reason why we open the doors of this church, it's life. Oh, it just makes sense that life is in our name. 
We do want to point people to life. We do want to be a beacon of hope in this city. We want to help people that are far from God, that don't know God, that maybe even you're close to God, enter into a full life with Christ. There's people all over that are living for God, but they're not operating on all six cylinders. You know what I mean? They're like just operating halfway. And so everything we do as a church really is to just help you live a life fully alive. Man, I want you to live a life that is vibrant. And not only do I want you to live a life that is vibrant, I want our church to be vibrant. I want our church to be full of life when people walk in. But I've learned over the years that this doesn't just happen by accident. But it actually happens because a church is committed on purpose, with a purpose, to doing some very intentional things. See, did you know that every organization, every church, every family has a culture? Your family has a culture. If I walked into your house, within 10 minutes, I could probably understand your family's culture. I could understand the things that you valued if I hung out around you long enough. See, this church has a culture. This church has some values. But values, yes, they're caught, but values also sometimes need to be taught. And so today, I want to teach a few values that, that just help us ensure that we're a church that continues to be fully alive. See, I want you to be fully alive because if you're not fully alive, you can't bring half life to, to, to a church and make it full life. And so it starts with you. And so every Sunday, we do our very best to pour into you. We want to help you know God and know God better. Reason why we do small groups is to help get you set free from junk that's on your life and give you an opportunity to take off a mask and get real with people and say, hey, you don't know this about me, but you need to know this about me. I'm hurting, I'm struggling. So you're only as sick as your secrets and everybody needs a place to let down the mask. And so we're always trying to do things uh, to, to help you experience a fully alive life. But as a church, I've noticed there are some key ingredients, really some key values that help make a church fully alive. And so here's the question that I want to answer today. What values does it take to have this type of church? What values does it take to be a church that is fully alive? And so uh, I, I hope you'll just bear with me today, but I want to give you four points that if you call Life Point home, here are some values that I think you can begin to, begin to implement in your life that, that as you implement in your life, you help the church become everything that we believe that God has called it to become. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jennifer and I and you know, the handful of people that maybe stand on this stage, we don't create the culture by ourselves. So you come in each and every week and you sit in a chair and you engage in a sermon and you, know, you lift your hands in worship, you get some notes, but did you know beyond all the stuff you're doing to experience church and to experience God, you're also creating culture? How you walk in the door, how you smile, how you interact with people, it creates culture. And so what are four values that I think it takes to have a fully alive church? The number one value is this. I think it takes faith. I didn't get an amen on that, so I'm going to explain it to you. Hebrews 11, verse number one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think a fully alive church, they see it. 
A fully alive church, they just say, we, 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 we see it. It takes seeing it. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a lot of things in our church that I see. There's a lot of things in our church that I see before it's even happened. You know, when it comes to faith, a lot of times people use the, the phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. Anybody ever said that? Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. But you know, when it comes to faith, it's just the opposite. Faith says, I'll believe it before I see it. I'll believe it in hope. I'll believe it in a prayer. I'll believe it in, I know that my God is bigger and he can do abundantly more than I could ever think, ask, or even imagine. I want a church full of faith. I think a fully alive church, they just see it. They walk into a room and they don't see 300 people on a Sunday. They walk into a room and they see, you know, 300 people four times over. They walk into a room and they, they, they see every seat in here full. They walk into a room and they see a day, one day where it's, it's not just an auditorium, but maybe it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thousand seat auditorium on the side of a hill. I can't be the only one seeing it. I can't be the only one that sees three, four, five campuses in every part of this city. I can't be the only one that sees a single mom before they ever come in this church getting set free, getting healed, getting delivered. I can't see, I can't be the only one that sees the person that has his whole life together, but there's still an empty spot. And it's just that Jesus is missing. Well, they've got a good family, they've got good cars, they've got a good job. Everything on the outside looks healthy, but there's still an emptiness. There's still just something they cannot put their finger on. And I can see them walking in the doors this Christmas. And I can see them meeting a Savior that fills every empty hole. And I just wonder, do you see it? Do you see hundreds of kids getting filled with the Holy Spirit in our kids' ministry? Do you see altars full? Do you see passionate worship? What do you see? Because what we see and what we see in faith, we will come to expect. And this church, the, the direction it goes will not just move at my expectation. It will move at your expectations. It can't just be a handful of people expecting a move of God, but a fully alive church is a room of a whole church expecting a move of God. See, what do you see? What do you see? I love in John chapter 4 where he says, I tell you, open your eyes and look. Oh, look at the fields so ripe for harvest. Oh, I see a city that is ripe for harvest. I see a city that needed another church because there's still people that are lost and dying and might spend an eternity separate from Jesus. And so it takes faith. It takes, it takes you seeing it. And so if we're gonna be a fully alive church, we've gotta see it. It cannot just be a few that see it. But it has to be all of us walking in and seeing it. You know, when we started this church, we spent nine months before we ever launched it, and this is all I taught every week. Because I realized that great churches aren't built just on the talents of a few, but, but they're built on, on the sacrifice and the sight and the expectation of the many. And so it takes faith. The second thing I believe it takes is it takes sacrifice. 
It takes sacrifice. I met somebody yesterday um, that was talking to me about our church that, that was, uh, it was a neighbor at our church offices, and they were just talking about it, and I was talking about how we set up and tear down in a, in a high school, and they, they said something like, man, that's a lot of work. And I said, you know what, I never really thought about it, but it is a lot of work. Um, no, I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> but I never really thought about it this way when they, when they said that. You know what the first thought was? I thought, you know what, it's really hard to go to our church. you got to actually want to. I mean, to be a part of like a, a portable church, a set up and tear down church, to be a part of the, like the startup phase of anything, it's sacrifice. I mean, I don't know if you've looked around, but you know, I mean, it, it takes sacrifice. It, it, it was sacrifice. There's, there's people over there right now, they're watching your kids. And they're not just watching them, but they're teaching them about Jesus. They're praying over them. They're investing in them. They're teaching them the word of God. They're worshiping with them. They're putting character values in them. And some of them, they haven't been to service in a month. It takes sacrifice. There are people that got to this church this morning. I don't know if you know this, but they were here by 5 a.m. They were pulling a trailer up to the back. They were unloading it. And two or three people got, you know, into that trailer, pulled it all out, and they began to set it up. None of this stuff was here. The school didn't do it for us. It wasn't like an all-inclusive rental where it's like, load up your trailer. We got a union that will set it all up for you. No, somebody sacrificed. And I just believe that a fully alive church, it takes faith, but it also takes a church that says, I will lay down consumerism to be a participator. And I know that's real strong, and so you get my heart, you love me, all that stuff, but, but church was never meant to just be consumed. And I'm okay if you do consume. I'm okay if, you know what, you walk in and you're like, you know what, I need some things from Jesus. I am not healthy. I am not whole. I was hurt before I came here. I walked in here broken, and I just need some time to rest. You know what, you can rest as long as you want. You can sit as long as you want. But when there comes a time where you say, you know what, I'm healthy. I feel some vibrancy. Or maybe, maybe this is the key. When there is a time in your life where you just feel like, you know what, I'm doing everything I could do, but it just feels like something little still missing, it may be your willingness to participate in something. And I'm not saying that every single one of you need to get on the dream team, but I think every single one of you should get on a dream team. There's somewhere in this church for you to serve. There's somewhere in this church for you to get your hands on the net. There's somewhere in this church for you to smile at someone, for you to greet someone, for you to shake someone's hand, for you to begin to make a different. Great churches, they're built because there's a lot of people participating. It's how we'll never have salaries in this church above 35% of our income. The average salaries at most churches are around 50 to 55%. We'll never do that. We'll never spend half the church's money to just hire staff. Why do that? I'd rather teach people, empower people to do the work of the ministry. You are a pastor. You are a minister. You can make a difference. You can do that. And guess what? Every dime we're not spending staffing 50% of everything that comes in, we can give away. We can reach out to missions. We can solve me. You know, just... It's just, it's just an opinion that I have. It's just, it's just a, a, a place that I want to operate as a church. But we cannot do that if everyone just consumes. And in 2023 or 2022, I'm sorry, there is a lot of consumerisms, uh, consumerism going on in church. Um, I don't know if 
you guys, this, you, you'll, you'll find this hard to believe this would ever happen. But did you know there are people that have come to this church and they've left this church? They thought, it's just not for me. And typically when they leave, they say something like, I don't know, the worship just wasn't fitting my style. I don't know, just the message just wasn't for me. And I thought, hey, show me your notes. Have you done anything with it? You know, that's the first thing I think of. But, but honestly, I thought you've been consuming, but have you been participating? Have you been doing anything with what you get? Have you been doing anything with what God's been giving you? I don't have to be perfect, but I can promise you there are enough people, there's enough God, there's enough scripture, there's enough all of this that if you won't just consume, but you'll participate, this will grow you, by the way. I know this might feel a little hard. I'm just trying to say this will grow our church, but this will also grow you. You need this. This is not what we want from you. This is for you. See, you can view our church one of two ways. You can view it as your church, like, or you can view it as my church. See, there is a filter in which all of you guys view our church. And you either view it when you're in conversation, and, and this is where this comes from. With me, I hear it all the time. Man, I just love your church. Man, I just, I, you know, I just, I, just, I just love what you guys are doing. I'm like, how long you been coming? I don't know, about eight months. Bro, this ain't my church only. This is your church too. You've gave, you've come. This is your church. And I want a church full of people that this isn't my church. This is my church, you know what I mean? It's not just like your church, but it's my church. It's like, this is my house. This is my church. This is my, you know, I, I'll, I'll walk by that trash and it's not, that's your church. Somebody else could, no, this is my church. I'll pick it up. I'll put it in my pocket. This is just, we're going to have a culture and our culture will either be the culture we want it or it'll just be the default by however the behaviors, you know, lead it to be. And so there's some values in a healthy church. Value number one, it takes faith. Value number two, it takes sacrifice. And then next week, we get the opportunity uh, to come around our year-end offering. And I've realized that it also, skip a few here, it also takes generosity. I just, I know this, I've been around it long enough to know that a fully alive church is a generous church. So my pastor, there are two things, if I were to describe Pastor Daniel Floyd, my pastor who founded LifePoint Church uh, in Virginia uh, nearly 20 years ago now that describe him. And these are the two very fundamental things that describe him. Number one is he a, he's a man of faith. I've never met anyone with as much faith as him. He, he will build the plane in the air. If he hears from God, it's like, we'll figure it out. I don't need to have all the answers to step out on faith. I'm willing to step into the unknown. And number two, he is a man that is extremely generous. And by default, our church has become a church of faith and a church of generosity. You know, in our Virginia locations, every year, millions of dollars are given away to outreach, millions of dollars. Next week, in their year-end offering, uh, over $2 million will probably come in in one weekend. They're just a generous church. And that generosity, in fact, we are a byproduct of that generosity. There are people that you will never see, that you do not know, that will never come in this church and ask for a thing, that are commuting every day up and down the I-95 corridor, going to work at their government job, that they, they, they gave a few years ago. A few years ago, they gave and they said, you know what? We will pay for seats we'll never sit in. 
We will pay for microphones we will never hold. Why? Because they're a fully alive church. They're a fully alive church that understands generosity. But our church can't be sustained on the generosity of others. We cannot make the difference in this community that we want to make on the generosity of, of others. We have to be sustained by the generosity of our house. And generosity and fully alive, they actually go hand in hand. First Timothy says this, tell them to use their money. This is talking to the church. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they're storing up their treasures as good foundation for the future. Man, I want us to have a good foundation for the future. And in doing so, experience true Zoe. So generosity and life are tied to each other. Isn't that fascinating? Another way that you experience true life is when you learn to become generous. In a fully alive church, it is generous. And I know that, you know, because of the last few weeks, if you've been coming and maybe if your first Sunday you know, it was three weeks ago. You're like, is this all this church talks about is money? No, this is kind of the last time I'll talk about it. So, but I, I've got to prepare you. And I have to help you understand the why. And here's what we've been asking you to do for a couple weeks as we close out the year next week. And, you know, with our year in offering, um, or as we head into the close of the year, next week we give in our year in offering. I've been asking you to do this. Just talk to God. And just ask God, what would you have me to give. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, each one should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A fully alive church is generous. And you have to understand this. You might be heading into this weekend and you're thinking, you know what? I'm not even going to come next week because I just don't have money to give. It's not about, and let me just squash that right there. You don't have to give a dime. I mean, seriously. I'm not asking you to give on your credit card, you know, next, next week. I'm just saying, if God has been faithful to you and you, you've received some blessings in your life, would you give from a level that is not me twisting your arm, is not me doing it because you feel like you have to, but because you want to, because you understand as a church a fully alive church is a generous church. So over the next few weeks, we'll give away about $5,000 we've already earmarked for our community to just make a difference, whether it's giving some kids Christmas or providing an opportunity for you. Next week, I'm going to give you a link. And if you're thinking, you know what, I, I don't have a Christmas this year, we're going to let you sign up and we want to help provide something for you because as a church, we care. But we've already earmarked some money uh, to just be generous as a church. And you know what? I long for the day that the 5,000 becomes 500,000. Because we just have a generous church. That God will funnel. Gen God doesn't funnel generosity okay, into our community through, you know, yes, through the church. But he funnels it through you through the church into the community. There is no money tree on the back of our stage. It is generous people that are generous that allows a church 
to meet the needs of a community. And so a healthy church is a generous church, and it's just a value. And one day, guys, I'm telling you, you will cheer when I stand on a stage and say, this year we've given away over $100,000. As a church right now, in the last two years, we've given away over 90. It's amazing. It's amazing. You'll cheer. You'll be grateful. You'll experience life. But it doesn't just happen by chance. And so next week, I'm just asking you, will you just bring your best? I'm going to talk next week. Um, I'm going to send us into Christmas, start heading us in that direction. And so next week, I'm actually not even talking about finances at all. We're shifting from that. And I just want to encourage you with a thought that I think will really inspire you. But just one last opportunity that I had this week just to say, would you just give from your heart next week? Because this is your church. You're a participator. You care about the growth and the health and the life of it. And the fourth value is this. I think it takes urgency. See, a fully alive church, I think, makes the most of every season and every opportunity. Ephesians 5 says this, be careful then how you live your lives. Be careful, life point, how you live. Not as unwise, but making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Here's what you have to understand about opportunities. And this is true in your own life with every opportunity that's in front of you. We may always have another fill in the blank. See, we may always, Lord willing, if the, if the creek don't dry up, is that what they say? Don't rise, thank you. We may always have another year-end offering. We may always have another Christmas service for you to invite a lost friend to. We may always have another January for you to get your life back on track for God. We may always have another Sunday to worship and respond to the word. You may always have another semester to get in a group. You may always have another, hopefully. But you know what I've learned? You don't get this year-end offering back. You don't get this Christmas back. You don't get this January back. And so there will always be another opportunity in your life for whatever it is that's in front of you. But you don't get the one in front of you back now. And so why would you want to waste something? Some of you, you have some opportunities in front of you right now. And you've been debating whether or not you want to step into them or not step into them. Just know this. You, you're always gonna, there's always another deal. There's always another opportunity. But you don't get this one back. And so pray, God, give me wisdom. God, help me to be wise. Help me to make the most of every opportunity in front of us. And next week as a church and in the coming weeks as we invite people to our Christmas services and as we keep our head up and our eyes open, you've got to know this, that none of us are as good as all of us. None of us on our own could do what all of us together can do. You know, together we can accomplish more. 
together as a church, we could bring more light into the city this Christmas if it's not just one or two or three or four, but it's a couple hundred people saying, my head's up, my eyes are open, my heart's engaged. Oh, there's a lost person? I'll invite them. Oh, there's a homeless person? I'll share a meal with them. Oh, there's an opportunity? I'll give. I'll reach out. I'll lend a hand. Together, we can make a splash. Together, we can accomplish more. And so let's build a life-giving church that is fully alive together. And I close with this. God is building a home. And he's using us all. None of us are as good as all of us. He's using you. He used the apostles and the prophets, and now he's using you. He's fitting you in to this church, brick by brick, stone by stone, with him as the cornerstone. And he is holding this all together, unless the Lord builds the house. The laborers labor in vain. But do you see it taking shape? Day by day, a holy temple being built by God. And so, I just want to ask you a question. As your pastor, once a year, I feel like we have to be aligned on mission and vision. Will you join the mission? Will you step into the vision of the church of helping people far from God become fully alive in Christ? May you walk into the room every week full of faith, May you look for opportunities to sacrifice. May you be generous with what you have. And may you do it now, not later. And I promise you, that is a church that is fully alive. None of us are as good as all of us. And the church that all of you want to be a part of it will be what you want it to be if all of us are working together, side by side, arms locked, saying we together are an unstoppable force for the kingdom of God. You receive that? Come on, do you receive it? So would you do this? Would you go home today? Would you get out your notes? And would you ask God which one area could I grow in? Which one area could I grow in? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Maybe if you're in here today and you would say, you know what? Um, I am far from God and I'm so thankful that you created this church because a while ago you had me at empty. I'm empty. I've been empty for a long time. Sir, ma'am, whoever you are, if you're empty, this church was created with you in mind. And God is ready to fill you, make you brand new, make you fully alive. And so with nobody looking around, if that's you, and you would say, you know what, I'm empty, and I need life. I need the light of Jesus in my life. Can I pray for you? I'd love to know who you are. If you feel empty today, would you just raise a hand? If you feel far from God, would you slip it up? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you slipped up your hand a minute ago, will you just pray this with me? Would you say, Jesus, 
I give you all of me for all of you. Come into my life. Fill every empty spot and make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate? Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.